Hopkins is in. So I guess Tom Brady retired. So now that means he's gone. Which means the Reign of Terror is over. Which means I get to talk about it. But I needed him to do one thing first. I needed him to beat Matthew Stafford. That didn't happen. So now I have mixed feelings. I don't want to have mixed feelings. Because he's the GOAT. But I asked the GOAT for a favor, and he didn't come through. In his lasting moments, he did not come through for me. But he's still the GOAT. I'm still going to talk about it. There's a lot that happened. There's coaching carousel stuff. I'm going to wait to do the coaching carousel stuff until it all kind of just mellows out. And it all happens. And everyone gets a job, and then we get to talk about it. Because I don't want to go... Oh, hey, look, two things got to happen. There's a bunch of rumors floating around. And, like, it's it's just it's just too much to do for a show that I only do once a week. So when all the coaching carousel stuff, when all the madness settles down, we'll go back, we'll look at it, what was right, what was wrong, what do I like, what do I don't like. I'm not, I'm not going to break down every Jim Harbaugh rumor over the last two days, over the last 24 hours. Yeah, is he minus 200? To go to the Dolphins, yes. Is Michigan preparing for him to go to the NFL? Yes. There's all this stuff happening with Jim Harbaugh, and that's that's fine. Jim Harbaugh can go look for a job at Walgreens for all I care. It's just if he's there, he's there. If he's not, he's not. But until we actually get something, I'm waiting on it. And I'm waiting on it for, for the rest of the coaching carousel too, right? So there have been a couple decisions made. The Vikings are are interviewing. The Vikings seem to show interest in Harbaugh. The they requested to interview him. The Dolphins have interest. There's interest everywhere for different coaches going to different places. And once it all dies down, hopefully, who knows when, but when it does, that's when we'll go back and we'll look at it. And hopefully by then the Super Bowl will be done and it'll give us more football to talk about in the gap between football and football. So the first thing I want to do is Michigan-Michigan State basketball because Obviously, that's what I opened with, with my little audio creation. But what I want to do with that is I just want to break it down. Because I I had this feeling about this game. I had this weird feeling that it was going to be closer than it should have been. Right? I thought it would be, you know, Michigan State squeaks out a 6, 7, 8 point win. But when when Michigan State lost to Illinois... I had to think back to what happened after they lost to Northwestern and how they responded. Michigan State's a team that responds. They've responded well all year. They lost a tough game to Northwestern after they had been playing some questionable basketball. Then they came back and played probably their best game of the season at Kohl Center in Madison. They lost a tough game to Illinois, in which they did not play well, and now they came back and they smacked Michigan. But I just didn't think it would happen that way because of the fact that it's a rivalry game. 
because of the fact that Michigan had been playing well as of late, except the Northwestern game. They did not play good against Northwestern. They still got a win, but I won't talk much about Northwestern because my team lost Northwestern. But the part that that really confused me, the part that set me aside, now obviously it confused me, but it also made me happy because we smacked you ruthlessly. That game wasn't as close. It was close for a half, and then they just opened it up. Michigan State opened it up. That game could have easily been a 20-point game, but it wasn't. So why did it happen like that? What made Michigan come in to the Breslin Center and get smashed? Like, seriously, they got smashed. There was no chance in the second half. You could tell that this game was over halfway through the half. It was just how much did Michigan State want to win by? How much were they willing to run up the score? Because Jawan went and ran his mouth before the game about the team's colors and all this stuff. In typical Michigan, always talking before the game, but nothing productive to say after the game. Because that's how it works in Ann Arbor, and that's how it's always worked. So why did it happen this way? Look at the facts, not the emotion of it. Why did Michigan go to the Breslin Center and lose by 60? Why did it happen that way? Is it because they're not good? Uh, yeah, that's part of it. They're not that good. They don't have a true point guard. And Hunter Dickinson still goes to the same shoulder every time he touches the ball. Right? Hunter Dickinson is still the entire offense. The offense runs or doesn't run based on what Hunter Dickinson did. Oh, he scored 45 points. Yeah, or 25 points. Oh, he also took 18 shots. And he made it was made less than 50% of his field goals. You're not going to win like that. When your entire offense runs through Hunter Dickinson and he makes less than 50% of his field goals and shooting over 18 times, shooting over 16, 17, 18 times the way he did, that doesn't work. That doesn't result in winning. So let's do let's do some numbers because when we when we talked about Kenneth Walker and when we talked about Aiden Hutchinson, we went back into that little Heisman Trophy deal. We broke down some numbers and why one deserved to be there, why one didn't, the whole deal with all that. So we're gonna run through this again and we're gonna we're just gonna quick fire some numbers here, okay? Three point field goal percentage for the University of Michigan. Fifteen one five. 15%. Michigan State, 50%. 5-0. Michigan State shooting percentage, 55%. Michigan, 37%. Michigan State had 18 assists. Michigan only had 11. Everything else was pretty close. Rebounding was close. Steals, blocks. They each had 13 turnovers. Outside of that, it was pretty close. But here's the thing. Michigan State shot the ball. You didn't. We shot the ball well. You didn't. We won the game. You didn't. We wear green and white. You wear maize and blue. And apparently maize and blue is a better color coordination than green and white. Except for the fact that maize isn't an actual color. And everyone knows that. You can't just create colors and say, oh yeah, we wear this and it's unique. No, it's yellow. And everyone knows that it's yellow. Next, Michigan State. Gabe Brown. He played 30 minutes. Joey Hauser, 23 minutes. Hogard, 24 minutes. Malik Hall, 23 minutes. Marcus Bingham, 16 minutes. Max Christie, 35 minutes. Tyson Walker, 16 minutes. I want you to notice something, okay? I'm going to read off Michigan's players now and their main guys and their main minutes. And I want to see if you can pick up what I picked up at. Hunter Dickinson, 34 minutes. Eli Brooks, 38 minutes. Caleb Houston, 32 minutes. 
Moussa Diabate, 24 or 34 minutes. Devontae Jones, 23 minutes. Michigan State had, let's see here, we're going to go seven main contributors. Michigan had five. Of Michigan State's seven main contributors, two of them played 30 minutes or more. Gabe Brown played 30. Max Christie played 35. Of Michigan's five main contributors, keep that in mind, main, they had other people that played good minutes, but five main contributors, Hunter Dickinson, 34 minutes, Eli Brooks, 38 minutes, Caleb Houston, 32 minutes, Musa Diabate, 34 minutes. Michigan had four of their five main contributors playing over 30 minutes. Of those four, of the four out of five that played over 30 minutes, Caleb Houston played the least at 32 minutes, right? There were, there was one player for Michigan State that played over 32 minutes, and that was Max Christie at 35. 32 or more minutes, Michigan State had one player. Michigan had four. Hunter Dickinson, Eli Brooks, Caleb Houston, Devontae, or not Devontae Jones, sorry, Musa Diabate. Devontae Jones played 23 minutes, right? So Michigan had really, it was, it was honestly, it was a six-man rotation. Kobe Bufkin had nine minutes. Brandon Johns Jr. had nine minutes. Terrence Williams had 14 minutes, right? So if, so if you want to take this, Michigan ran a six-man rotation. 34 minutes, 38 minutes, 32 minutes, 34 minutes, 23 minutes, and 14 minutes out of Terrence Williams. And then they had nine minutes out of Kobe Bufkin and Brandon Johns. I look at that and I say, that's a six, seven-man rotation, right? If you want to call it a seven to eight-man rotation, that's fine. But even then, you still have over half of your rotation playing over 30 minutes. That's not a deep team. That's not a team that Michigan likes to have, right? Last year's Michigan team was deep. They ran players in and out. They weren't tired. Michigan just looked tired in that game. And I think that's why they lost because Michigan hung with Michigan State for the first half. And that was for a good reason, because they were fresh, because they were making their shots, because Diabate had a nice half. Dickinson had a nice half. Michigan was moving. They looked crisp and fresh and alert. They looked there. They looked awake. But halfway through the second half, you could just tell the rotation was not deep for Michigan, and they looked tired. Gabe Brown, nine points, four rebounds, one assist, four for eight shooting, one for four from three, and he played 30 minutes, and he looked crisp the entire game, even though he he played 30 minutes and he didn't even contribute a ton, but he looked fresh. Max Christie, 35 minutes, 16 points, 3 rebounds, 1 assist, 5 for 8 shooting, 3 for 4 from 3. And he played 35 minutes because he was playing complimentary basketball with everybody around him. It wasn't just give the ball to Max Christie and see what he does, like it is with Hunter Dickinson. It wasn't, hey, let's give Christie the ball at the top of the key and see what happens, right? Hunter Dickinson had 25 points, 6 rebounds, and 1 assist in 34 minutes of play. But he shot the ball 19 times. The next closest shot attempts was Eli Brooks at 11. Right? Look at look at Michigan State's shot attempts, okay? Gabe Brown took 8 shots. Joey Hauser took 6 shots. A.J. Hogard, 6 shots. Malik Hall took 12 shots. Marcus Bingham took 4 shots. Max Christie took 8 shots. Tyson Walker took seven shots, right? That That is balanced offense. 
Let's look at Miss Michigan shots. Eli Brooks, 11. Caleb Houston, 6. Musa Diabate, 10. Devontae Jones, 7. Hunter Dickinson, 19. Right, so you had Eli Brooks and Musa Diabate right there at 10, pretty close. And then Caleb Houston and Devontae Jones at 6 and 7. And then you have Hunter Dickinson at 19. There was no balance. Michigan State knew where the ball was going to go. And they would just let Hunter Dickinson catch the ball. And if he was going to take 20 shots and shoot less than 50%, that's fine. They were going to take it, and they weren't going to double him. That's just how it works. And Michigan wouldn't switch it up. They wouldn't try to get other people involved. It was going to be the Hunter Dickinson show, and they were going to live or die by it. And Marcus Bingham only played 16 minutes that entire game. Marcus Bingham, the shot blocker, the guy that's supposed to be the last line of defense against Hunter Dickinson. Bingham only played 16 minutes that entire game, and Hunter Dickinson still shot less than 50%, and he played 34 minutes. Hunter Dickinson played over twice the amount of minutes that Marcus Bingham played, and he still they still lost by 16 points. If you, if you just look at the minutes and the point values, right? Hunter Dickinson, 34 minutes, 25 points, 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 8 for 19 shooting. Marcus Bingham, 4 points, 8 rebounds, no assists. 2 for 4 shooting, 0 for 2 from 3, 16 minutes. If I just looked at that and didn't know the score of the game, I'd say Michigan wins by 20, at least. But there was no balance. There was balance for Michigan State, and there was no balance for Michigan, and that's why they lost, right? So just it's just these little, these numbers things that kind of get to me. And, and I hear, you know, people saying that, that Michigan's tough and that it's a rivalry game. They're going through adversity, and they're dealing with all these things, and it's like, hmm, okay, but in reality, they lost the game because they couldn't get other people going in their offense. It wasn't because that they that it was at Breslin Center. It wasn't because of the is zone. It wasn't because Tom Izzo's five foot four. It wasn't because of any of that. You lost because of offensive inconsistency or consistency in the fact that you were inconsistent. You were consistently giving the ball to Hunter Dickinson, who was inconsistent, Every time he touched it, it was either a turnover or it was a nice jump hook, right? Because Michigan State didn't bring guys into the paint to defend Hunter Dickinson to where Dickinson could just kick it out and find an open person for three. And if it ever happened, they missed because Michigan went 15% from three that game. And what what else do you want to say about it? Really? What Are, are we going to complain about how Michigan's on the road? Are we going to complain about, was there something that the refs did? Was there something that Tom Izzo did? Did Michigan State get all the calls? There's nothing. It's a numbers game. It's a numbers game, and it's a team effort. And Michigan just doesn't have the depth that Michigan State does. I didn't even, I didn't even mention a guy, guys on Michigan State like, like Julius Marble, right? Like the, the, big, the big men for Michigan State, the centers, the guys in the paint, they didn't even make a huge impact on the game, really. And Marcus Bingham made an impact aside from the offensive side of the ball. He had a few blocks. He had like five blocks, I think, five or six blocks, right? So Marcus Bingham didn't need to contribute on the offense to be a contributor to the game overall, to contribute to his team. And Bingham only played 16 minutes. He didn't even play an entire half. And from what I remember, I don't think he was in foul trouble. I could I could go back and check on that, but I don't think he was in that deep of foul trouble. He might have he might have sat out in the first half for a little bit for two fouls maybe, but I honestly I genuinely don't remember. But it doesn't it doesn't take away 
it shouldn't take away from the fact that Michigan State has a balanced team, that they have depth, that they have strength at all positions. In, in any given day, it can be Hogarth or it can be Tyson Walker. On any given day, it can be, or I didn't even mention Jay Nakins. On any, it can, it can be Max Christie or it can be Jay Nakins. It can be, it can be Joey Hauser or it can be Malik Hall. Like against, against Wisconsin, it was Joey Hauser. Right against Seton Hall, it was Malik Hall, and today it was it was kind of both of them. Right, Hauser five for six shooting, fourteen points. Malik Hall fifteen points, five for twelve shooting. Right, so Malik Hall had a little bit of an off day, although he went two for three from three point range. Hall and Hauser both contributed equally, but you look at you look at Michigan. It's just this. There's the top of the pyramid with Hunter Dickinson, and then there's just everybody else. And in the recruiting class that they were supposed to have at U of M, that's not the way. That's not the way you can come out and play against your arch rival. That's just, that's just bad news. But it's still well. Actually, it's February. I was about to say it's still January, but as of today, Tuesday, February first, we are in February. So I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go full dive into college basketball. That's kind of just. That's kind of just what I wanted to do with that. Because it was a big game. It was an important game. It was kind of a prove-it game. Michigan State, prove it that you're better. Prove it that you're worthy of being a top 15 team. And then Michigan, prove it that this recruiting class can be what we thought that they could be. Prove it that you're better than what your 10-7 and 7 record indicates. And right now, it looks like Michigan State was the one that proved it. And Michigan still got a lot of work to do. It's not over for Michigan. It, I mean, Michigan, like I said, probably last episode or two episodes ago. Michigan, right now, is exactly where Michigan State was last season. Middle of the conference, hovering above 500, pretty much off the bubble everywhere from what I've seen. I haven't looked at much you know, bracketology in early February, but from what little that I've seen and read and heard, it's been it's been Michigan off the bubble. I've not seen. I think I might have seen Michigan the next four out once, and that was before the game. They're probably off all the bubbles now in this game. But it's still early February. It's still the Big Ten. There's still a lot of games for Michigan to win. But there's still a lot of games for Michigan to lose. It equal. It's it's the beauty of the Big Ten is is you have all these chances, all these great opportunities to get big wins and to get quality wins to put on your resume. But with that also comes the higher chance of you going and losing a game, losing a string of games, losing a game that you might say you shouldn't have lost. Right when you go to Rutgers or did Rutgers come to Ann Arbor? No, that they were they were in Rutgers. They were at Rutgers. That one game when I was when I was driving back, that was at Rutgers. You go to Rutgers and you get smacked. You'll have games like that, right? And then Maryland plays tough, and then you smack Maryland, right? Or or Purdue happens. There's just there's just a lot of different things that can happen. Oh, hey, look, we have this opportunity to play against Ohio State or Wisconsin to build our resume. Oh, next thing you know, we just lost by thirty because it turns out they're actually a good team. And then oh, hey, look, we turn around. And we beat Minnesota by 30. So it's like, it's, it's, there's tons of ways to get big wins, but also big losses in the Big Ten. So there it is. Michigan's just going to have to string together some wins. And I think, I really do think that Michigan saw something out of Musa Diabate. Cause Diabate had a really nice first half. Every time, honestly, I was more, I was more sketched out when Diabate touched the ball than when Hunter Dickinson touched the ball. I knew what I was going to get when Dickinson touched the ball. The way Diabate can play off the dribble. And the way he can get into the paint, the way he can score is, I, I honestly, I was more scared when Diabate was touching the ball than when Dickinson touched the ball. When Dickinson touched the ball, I was like, okay, cool. Have fun on your shoulder. Do your hook shot. Either miss it or make it or just throw the ball out of bounds. Whatever. You're going to get two points or you're going to get no points or he's going to get to the free throw line 
and he's going to split his free throws, right? It, it wasn't, I wasn't, I knew what I was going to get when Hunter Dickinson touched the ball. When Diabate touched the ball, I actually, he was the only guy that I thought, hmm, maybe they might want to try and slide somebody over there if Diabate catches the ball a little. If, he, if Diabate's already caught the ball that deep into the paint, you might as well just let whoever was defending him. I think Hall was matched on him a little bit. Hauser might have been matched up on him a couple times. But but when Diabate, if Diabate catches the ball way outside, you, you have more faith in him than Hunter Dickinson to dribble and get into the paint. So if Diabate is catching the ball that far outside, he was the only guy where I'm thinking, hey, maybe we slide someone over, try and trap him a little bit. But but when Hunter Dickinson got the ball, I was just like, whatever, do your hook shot, we'll rebound it, or you'll make it, you'll get two points, right? And and, and it all ended up with Hunter Dickinson scoring 25 points, shooting less than 50% from the field, and going 0 for 2 from 3. So it was just, that that's, that's just kind of how that game went. And there was no, in the first half, it was, it was weird because Michigan was, Shooting worse than Michigan State. Michigan State had the better, had more assists. Michigan State had, I mean, the turnovers weren't terrible for Michigan State in the first half, but they were there, right? But it was like, oh, Michigan State's winning by, I think, four at halftime, and Michigan's playing worse. Michigan's playing so much worse than Michigan State. We're only up four, so it's like if Michigan starts to turn it around, I'm starting to, I'm starting to get a little bit worried here. And then the second half comes around and Michigan State just goes just full, full gas all the way, pedal to the metal, and Michigan just stopped. Michigan, just they just looked done. They seriously, they just looked done. There was nothing left for them on that court and they were done. And that was, and that was pretty much how the game went. So that's, that's about as in-depth as I'm going to get with college basketball until the next time they play. March 1st, by the way, I noticed that that game got a little bit that got sneakily rescheduled after the events that took place this weekend. I think that happened yesterday. And the only reason I didn't record yesterday was my voice was still sore, and you can probably tell a little bit, but after North Dakota hockey decided to sweep St. Cloud for somehow, some way this weekend, my voice was slightly uh, out of tune, we'll call it, because I was at both of those games, and it was very, it was an interesting atmosphere. But yeah, that, that's it for college basketball. I've got, there's more college bat Like, Iowa State, Kansas tonight, that's going to be a huge game. It's going to be a great game. There's uh, Michigan State. Michigan State plays tonight, and I've got to be honest, I'm completely blanking on who they play because I'm zoned in on Kansas and Iowa State at Hilton Coliseum. So that's, one of the best, that's one of the best college basketball venues on the planet in the country as well. So that's about all I want to do with college basketball if, you know, time will come later in February when the bubble starts to, to heat up and conference tournaments start to start to get rolling and the Super Bowl's gone, done and over, and we're in, we're in the lull of, of NFL football. But that that's it. That's it for college basketball. The next thing is, is Tom Brady. So he's gone. He's retired. I didn't like him when he was around because I knew why everyone around me rooted for Tom Brady. He went to Michigan. They were loyal to Michigan. And the Lions are terrible. So they had no reason to not root for Tom Brady because he was their guy. He's the Michigan man. So it makes sense. Right? I get it. So I just kind of want to take a look back at the career of Tom Brady because I appreciate what he did for football. I think anyone could appreciate what he did for football like him. Or hate him. If you think he's overrated, if you think he's underrated, whatever. I don't think there's anyone who thinks he's underrated. 
But you get what I'm saying, right? What do you think about Tom Brady? What are your emotions as he retires? What are you? What are your thoughts as he goes away? What's your lasting memory of Tom Brady? Because as as I went and I looked and I went through the history of Tom, the career of Brady, I was like, man, I I forgot about a lot of this stuff. Like how long his career lasted? Like sometimes I think we forget, right? He got drafted in two thousand. That was 22 years ago. That was two decades. That, I mean, how many presidencies is that? Like, I wasn't born. And when I, when I was brought into this earth, Tom Brady had been in the NFL for two years. I am in my second year of college, right? Like, he has been around for ages. And I just, I just kind of like looked back and saw all the stuff that he did and took, took a look at the memories of Tom and how much, how much he really con- contributed to the game and how much he brought. And it was very, I was like, I wasn't necessarily like humbled, I guess, because I mean, he's the goat. He's, he humbles everybody. So, I mean, obviously I looked at it and I felt like, wow, this guy is, this guy is seriously the greatest to ever touch the field. But it's also like, man, I really, I forgot how much he did because it was, it was, there was a lot there was a lot of years and he did a lot of stuff. And sometimes some you know, certain things get lost in the memories, right? You, you think only recently, you think, oh, he had to flight gate. Oh, he lost the Titans in the wildcard round in his last year in New England. Oh, he was down 27 to three against the Rams in the division round. So there were all these, all these different things that happened. And it's kind of hard to forget how long he was really in the league for and how much he did. So I, I just want to, I want to take a look at this because when I, when I was doing like research, I guess we'll call it research. And I was looking at, you know, kind of everything that Tom Brady had done over his career, because I mean, I don't even remember half of this because I mean, most of this is, is before 2011, right? And, and 2002 was when I was brought into this wonderful place. And 2011 is, is he, he lost the Giants in the Super Bowl, the second time that he lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. And that's like, that's kind of where it, where it gets fuzzy. Like, I remember watching the, the, the helmet catch, right? I remember when they went 16 and 0 and lost to, and lost in the Super Bowl to the Giants. That was 2007. I, I remember like the blown ACL when he blew out his knee in week one, I think, right? It was like week one against the Chiefs. And then, then he got comeback player of the year in 2009. I don't remember that at all. It would make sense. But I don't, I don't remember it at all, right? And so, like, I mean, we're we're in we're in 2009, and my memory starts to get fuzzy of Brady, and and he's got 11 more years of success before that, right? So, so let's let's just start, let's just start at the beginning. So, 1998, he wins the Citrus Bowl with Michigan. Congratulations, you won the Citrus Bowl. Good job, Michigan. Go blue. 1999, he wins the Orange Bowl. With Michigan, an overtime win, by the way. He got a nice clutch, clutch play in overtime. Very good, Tom. Very well done. Go Blue. Michigan wins the Orange Bowl in 1999. 2000, he gets drafted. Tom Brady, 199th overall by the New England Patriots. 2000, first career completion. Here's some trivia for you all. He had a completion for six yards in his first, in his first completion one for six yards. What team did Tom Brady have his first completion against? I'll give you 
three seconds to think about it before I tell you the answer. One, two, three. And if you still hadn't guessed it, oh, what a shock, the Detroit Lions. He got his first career completion against the Detroit Lions. So if you really, if you want to ask me, I think the Lions jump-started Tom Brady's career. I think the Lions are actually the, the group, the squad, the team to credit for the success of Tom Brady. The Lions jump-started Tom Brady's career with that six-yard completion. So kudos to the Lions. Now the Lions technically have seven Super Bowls because they are responsible for the creation of Tom Brady, and they're about to have their eighth Super Bowl after Stafford wins it, and now I'm sad. Yeah, that's not, that's not good. That's not a good look. Okay, moving on. First career, okay, so 2000, he gets his first career completion. Sorry, I, I need to have like a little like mental sit down moment there for a second. Just, I thought about Stafford and it all kind of just, yeah, the, the, the entire mood went down when I started thinking about Stafford because it's, it's, it's bad. Okay, 2001, Drew Bledsoe gets hurt. Brady gets put in. He wins his first Super Bowl ring. Oh, by the way, 2001, who remembers what 2001 was? That was that little, uh, okay, that was that little tuck rule, if you remember that, when, when Woodson went and hit him, and Tom Brady goes and, like, pulls the ball back into him, and they're like, no, 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 he was, he was trying to bring it back to his body, therefore it's not a fumble. So that was kind of the early controversy, right? So 2005, he gets another Super Bowl, and he wins his second Super Bowl MVP. 2007, the team goes 16-0, and and then they lose in the Super Bowl, to the New York Giants, the helmet catch. And then the next season, he blows out his ACL, out for the year. 2009, comeback player of the year. 2011, another Super Bowl appearance, loses to the New York Giants. 2014, uh-oh, Deflategate, who remembers that? 2015, though, wins the Super Bowl against Seattle. They should have ran the ball. 2016. He gets suspended for four games because of the Flategate. Super Bowl appearances then in 2016, 2017, 2018. He won two of those. And then 2018 was when uh, they lost by Phil- to Philadelphia in that crazy offensive shootout game. And Philadelphia scored like 50 points. And then the Lions hired the defensive coordinator of the Patriots that gave up 50 points to the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Yay, that went well. 2019, Super Bowl victory against the LA Rams. And oh, what a snooze fest of a Super Bowl that was. That, that's the asterisk. That's the one everyone's like, oh man, how does this, how does this even count? Because it was like, a, it was 10 to 3. Really? How does that, how does it even count? That, that it shouldn't even count for Tom Brady. But you know what? He got there and he won it. So, 2019 and 2020, last season with New England, he ended up winning six Super Bowls. And he lost to, to lost to the Titans in that in that wild card game. And he threw an interception. It was his last his lasting memory of the Patriots was the interception that he threw. So he left New England with six Super Bowls over his time there. So from two thousand to two thousand twenty, he had won six Super Bowls. Twenty twenty, he leaves, he signs with Tampa Bay. 2020-2021 season, he wins the Super Bowl. In Tampa Bay, his first season there, I feel like there's another quarterback that's going to win a Super Bowl in his first season with the team after leaving the team that he'd been with for over a decade. 2021 through 2022, 5,316 passing yards, 43 touchdowns, 
He throws for his most ever yards in a season in his last season at 44 years old. Really? What a robot. Like, actually, what a robot. How do you even do that? How is that humanly possible? 44 is, I mean, you said you want to play till he's 45, 50, but I mean, you coming at 44 years old after 20 years of doing this in the NFL, and you're still throwing for more yards than you've ever thrown for in your career? I mean, that's unbelievable. That shouldn't happen. That's, it's physically, it can't happen. How does it happen? <laughs> and that's the part that hurts because I needed him to do one thing for me. One thing. Please beat Stafford. Get him out. Save my city. And he couldn't. And so I just, I just have these lasting just, ah, oh, I needed one thing from Tom. Just one thing. But it's okay because he's the goat. I still, I don't have to like him. I don't have to, to worship him. I don't have to, to bow down to Tom. But I can understand and I can acknowledge. Well, I actually, I can't understand it because I've never been there. But I can, I can respect greatness. I can see greatness win front of me and I can say, that guy, like him or not, hot supermodel life or not, I can say, he is the greatest thing to ever happen to football. And that's, and I think that's okay. Right? Even, even as the Michigan not sympathizer that I am, as, as the guy that doesn't sympathize with everything maize and blue, I can still say that Tom Brady was the greatest. He is the goat. And when I see people around my town rooting for Brady wherever he goes, um, does it hurt? Does it annoy me? Yes. Because it's 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 a get out of jail free card, right? But but they earned it. Even even if they didn't like him that much when he was in their team. Yes, did he win the Citrus Bowl and the Orange Bowl? Yes. But overall, Michigan Michigan fans weren't thinking that Brady was going to be this all star guy. That he was going to be this football goat that was going to go win seven Super Bowls. Like yeah, decent quarterback. Goodbye. We're not really sad that you're gone. Good luck. And he gets drafted sixth overall. People are like, oh, okay, let's see what happens. Is he going to be good? Is he going to be bad? He's probably not even going to touch the field because he was good in Michigan, but he wasn't great. And this is the NFL, and it's a completely different league. And then all of a sudden, he wins a Super Bowl in 2001, and everyone's like, oh, wow, this guy's awesome. We're going to be fans of him. Screw the Lions. It's like, yeah, I get it. Screw the Lions. It makes sense. They're terrible. Screw the Lions. We're going to root for Tom Brady. We're going to follow him wherever he goes. And now all of a sudden, Whoa, he won six Super Bowls. And it's like, man, that sucks for me. That sucks for me to watch. But you know what? Michigan fans, congratulations. You earned it. You had your guy. And now he's gone. So what are you going to do about it now? Are you going to just stay with New England? Are you going to stay with Tampa? Are you just going to adopt a new team? Are you going to root for the Michigan Panthers in the USFL? How is it going to work? What are you going to do? Are you just going to boycott the NFL now that your boy isn't there? That's that's kind of how I think about it. It's like, where are you going to go from this? How are you going to react? What is your next move as a Michigan fan? And that's kind of, that's something that, that if I had, you know, contact with fans, right? Like, like if I could get, if it was like a radio show where I could like get people to call in, something like that, I would totally ask that question to Michigan fans. Where do you go now? Now that he's gone for the Michigan fans that rooted for Tom Brady, that followed him wherever he was, New England, Tampa Bay, 
right? When he went to the vacation in the Galapagos, wherever. What do you do now that Tom Brady's gone? Where are you, Michigan fan? Where is your heart? Where is your mind? Are you rooting for your mind? Are you just going to hop on the Bills bandwagon because Josh Allen's awesome? Or, like, what is what is your play? Are you going to root for, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, my gosh. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah, there you go. Wherever Donovan Peoples-Jones is, are you going to root for him? All right, like, like, how do you react now as a Michigan fan? I just wish, I just, I mean, I know a couple I've asked, I've done, done a little bit of reaching out, but it's, it's, it's nothing like actually being able to talk to a bunch of Michigan fans and over a, over a wide expansive area, over a wide, you know, range of opinions, not just people that are in my inner circle, right? Like this is, this is something that I really love to ask Michigan fans and just kind of see where they're where their head's at, where their heart's at, because they lost their guy. Their guy is not on the football field anymore, and then they are crying and they are sad. And when Kenneth Walker wins seven Super Bowls and and runs for however many tens of thousands of yards in the NFL, right? when that happens with Kenneth Walker, I'll be sad when my guy's gone. Because I'm borderline. If Kenneth Walker gets a nice starting role wherever he ends up, I, that, that team is going to be, that's going to be my pet team. I'll still root for the Lions, but there, I will, wherever Kenneth Walker is, I'm going to root for him. So I, I get it. I get what Michigan fans were able to witness with Tom Brady. And I get why they rooted for him for so long because he was their guy. But now what? That's like, it's like, oh my gosh, I just watched a 12 season series that had 20 episodes per season that were each 55 minutes long. And now the series is over and I'm just stuck here and I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do next. That's kind of, that's kind of how I would look at it. It's just, it just got me kind of curious. You know, what would, what would Michigan fan do in this situation? What would I do if I was a Michigan fan? Would I just be like, Oh crap, I guess I have to for the Lions now. Or would I just, Give up on NFL football and there's nothing for, there's nothing left for me here. Would I find that the most, the other Michigan guy that's in the NFL and do I follow him? Like that's, I don't know. It's just kind of where I'm, where I'm at with this right now. It's just like if I, if I had to go into the brain of Michigan fan amidst the Tom Brady goodbye, I would, I would be like, hmm, what do I do now? It would just, it would just kind of leave me feeling empty, I guess, if you get what I'm saying. So that's that's kind of my my thoughts on that. Also, Adam Schefter, my man, what are you doing, buddy? As soon as that report, the first report came out, it, it just looked weird to me because it was like source told source told Adam Schefter, and I was like, I don't know, I don't like when things get passed around the grapevine like that. But Schefter reported it, so I was like, okay, I mean, I guess it's legit. And then Tom Senior comes out. He's like, no, 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 no. My son hasn't decided if he's retiring or not. And I'm like, great. And I had just gotten off the phone with somebody and been like, you know what? When I heard the Tom Brady news, I was like, you know what? I'm glad that he didn't do this theater that Aaron Rodgers had done over the offseason. Am I going to stay in Green Bay? Am I going to be gone? I don't know. And Aaron Rodgers is still doing that theater today, saying how he's going to reveal it in this great reveal on the McAfee show once free agency starts. Like, whatever, Aaron, just stop. Nobody, like, go to Hollywood. If you want to act and you want to have fun, go to Hollywood. Don't be in the NFL, right? But but Brady, I'd literally just gotten off the phone with with a Michigan fan, and I'd been like, you know what? I, I'm not. I wasn't a Brady fan, but I understood. I respected the greatness of it, and I'm just glad that he didn't do this 
theatrical performance over the offseason, like Rodgers said, am I retiring? Am I not? And he's like playing with people and like toying with their heartstrings and their emotions and making people think that he would be back or making people think that he wouldn't be back. And it was just like, I'm, I told him, I was like, I'm really glad that Brady just came out and, and it just happened, right? There wasn't this, this whole, you know, let's do State Farm commercials, let's go host Jeopardy, let's do all this stuff, let's say I'm in, you know, like, like, let, it was just Brady saying, or Brady and then other people telling other people, telling Adam Schefter that he's gone. And I was like, I'm just glad we didn't have to deal with this whole theater fiasco. And then it came out, like, a day later, or even later that day, that Tom Sr. was like, oh, no, 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 relax, guys, he's not retiring. And then I was like, oh, crap. I literally just got off the phone with this person saying, I'm glad that Tom Brady didn't do this whole theatrical performance and it's literally turned into theater. So I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, however many days later though, two, I think it happened like Sunday or whatever it came out that, that Brady, Brady was going to quote unquote retire. And then Tom senior is like, no. So it was only two days later. And I'm actually, I'm glad because my schedule is to usually record on Monday, edit Tuesday, release Wednesday. But that didn't happen Monday just because my voice was completely in shambles from hockey games this weekend. And it was nice, actually, because the, the news came out, obviously, this morning, Tuesday morning. And it was like, oh, man, I'm glad I didn't record Monday or else I would have had to you know, like put this into the show, like record more and then edit more. And now it's all just like it all ended up working out well. So it's not like I had stuff recorded and ready to go today. And then the news comes out. And it's like, oh, man, how am I going to fit this into what I already wanted to do with the show? So now, now it actually it ended up working out pretty well. So it it's it was a nice it was a nice thing when I woke up this morning. It's like, oh great, I get to I can talk about this too, as well as as well as the other stuff I wanted to talk about. So I mean, that's that's pretty much it with Tom. I just wish that I could get into the heads of Michigan fans, and that's kind of like the you know the timeline of his career. And and anyone that was was super close to me knew that I wasn't this Tom Brady worshiper, right? I wasn't in the Brady cult. I wasn't. You know, I didn't have posters of Brady everywhere. I didn't. I didn't have a Brady jersey. I didn't even have a Patriots jersey. I don't have a Bucks jersey. I have a. I just got a, a Mac Jones Patriots jersey. Right. So like, I wasn't. I wasn't this Brady guy. I didn't like Tom Brady. I didn't like that he came from Michigan. I didn't like any of it. But I, I, I respected everything that he did for the NFL, and I still do, and I always will. But I just, I just wish that I could take a look at Michigan fan and be like, you know, what is it? What what do you do now? What is your next move? And I guess we'll I guess we'll find out. I'll find out when I when I'm home over the summer and I'm having conversations over the summer with people and, and it's just yeah, I don't I really don't know how it's gonna work. But I mean, it also worked out well today because North Dakota decided to give us some snow and forty mile an hour winds and they they canceled class today. So uh this is this is a great day. This is a great setup, and Tom Brady is gone. But I just needed him to do one more thing for me, and he couldn't. But it's not like, oh, good riddance, Tom. Hopefully, I never have to hear from you again. It's like, look, I didn't like you, but you were the greatest football player ever, and I can't, I can't deny that. I can't argue that. So I'm just gonna have to say goodbye. And now I don't have to deal with you anymore. Why couldn't you beat Matt Stafford? And now my city is in shambles. But moving on to my city, to Matt Stafford, to 
the NFC Championship game against the Niners, which was a terrible game, a boring game, a game that was a snooze fest to me, a game that I did not have fun watching, which is why I went out with some friends and got Mexican food as the game was on in the third quarter. Stafford is in a Super Bowl. He's in a Super Bowl. And that's it. That's the reality. I woke up Monday morning knowing Stafford is playing in the Super Bowl in 13 days. Now 12 days. He is there. He is at the top of the mountain, ready to grab the the star or the whatever. He is there at the top, and there's someone else up there with him. And the only way that he gets the prize at the top of the mountain is to kill the other guy. And the other guy just happens to be a, a beautiful man over six feet tall with great sense of fashion from Ohio. I don't know what it means though for me. Because I don't know if, it, I don't know if they're saving him. Because he won. He's in the Super Bowl. Cause I talked a couple weeks ago and I was like, look, there can still be doubt if Stafford loses to the Cardinals or even if he loses in the divisional. There can still be doubt, right? If Brady, if Brady drops an anvil on this guy, if Brady just demolishes him by 30 points, maybe, maybe there's hope. But he beat Brady. He beat Garoppolo. He's in the Super Bowl. So does him winning or losing the Super Bowl even matter anymore? And that, that's the conversation I had to have with myself on, on Monday morning and even today as I, as I talk about this. Does Stafford winning or losing the Super Bowl matter in terms of the grand scheme of Detroit and the grand scheme of what people will say about this trade, about Stafford leaving, about the organization that is the Lions. Will I, I think I think obviously it will be more catastrophic if he wins than he loses, but even then, up to the point of the game, it's still gonna be he's there. It's just gonna be a matter is he gonna win or lose, right? So we'll have to deal with it. As, as, you know, we get closer to the game. But, it's just like, oh man, he's here. He's in the Super Bowl. There, there's no chance. There's no redemption. So I'm still going to wear my Bengals jersey. I'm going to be all, I'm going to be ready. I want Joe Burrow to beat this guy by 30. But in the end, how much good is it going to do? Because he still left town and immediately went to the Super Bowl. Well, the same season. And we went 313 and 1. Right, and we'll see what we do next year. Maybe if we win next year, it'll kind of hopefully even things out a little bit. If we can get the division next year for the first time in 30 years. If we can get the division next year, maybe it'll offset a little bit. Maybe it'll at least be like, hey, maybe maybe the trade kind of worked out for both parties instead of, oh, yeah, Detroit's an idiot, poverty franchise, they gave away Stafford, he's in the Super Bowl, Lions are garbage. Right? Maybe, maybe if they, the Lions win next year, it'll offset it just a little bit. Maybe the questions will keep being asked, and at least people will be like, hey, maybe this trade worked out for both teams. But now I mean, hey, look, this draft pick, it's 32 or 31, right? So it's, you know, even if he loses in the wild card to Arizona, you're still like, oh, hey, 24 maybe, you know, 23, right? You can still you can still get in a good spot with that draft pick. But now it's like, I mean, what what is there? There, 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 there won't be anything for us out there, nothing... Nothing that we could use as, as like a 20, like a pick that you could get 23, 22, 21, right? The impact of that player will not be as distinct. It won't be as 
noticeable immediately as someone that that you can pull, you know, 22 or 23. And that's where I'm like, man, this guy's already done his damage. There's 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 nothing left for me with this guy. So do I just give in and root for him or do I not? Do I put on the Bengals jersey and do I say, I hope Burrow throws for 500 yards, six touchdowns, and Stafford throws four picks? Because Stafford didn't look good last week. I mean, he he launched it into Jaquisti Tartan. He threw it right to Jaquisti Tartan. And Tartan just, just dropped the ball. He just, he just dropped it. It was right there. It was right there. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh my gosh, he did it. Stafford did it. He finally threw the game away, and the ball just helplessly falls through Jaquiski Tart's hand. And I'm like, no, no, this cannot be happening right now. And it it happened right in front of my face. And I was like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Did I seriously just watch that happen? And it turns out, yes, genius, you did just watch that happen. Your city is now in flames. And then, or, half of your city is in flames, and half of your city is in celebration. Because you know, Stafford, yeah, he's our guy. He's winning. Stafford is Detroit. Detroit is Stafford. Lions are winning the Super Bowl because Stafford's winning the Super Bowl. It's like, eh, it's not exactly how it works if you ask anybody in business and in the NFL. Oh, and if you ask anybody in the NFL media, like actually that covers the national NFL media news coverage, yeah, Detroit's kind of a crap hole. Just in case you hadn't noticed. If you hadn't tuned into ESPN recently, it's like, man, I mean, literally, like, literally ESPN posted, yeah, like, yesterday, after Stafford had won, it was like, oh, yeah, Eminem performing at the Super Bowl halftime, Stafford in the Super Bowl, closest Detroit's ever getting to a Super Bowl, aha, LMAO, LOL, so funny, thank you, ESPN, you didn't see the games where Stafford could have won the division, and he didn't win it, like, it's <laughs> It's terrible because they only they only see it now. They only see him succeeding. What they see is 13 years of no division victories and no playoff wins. And then as soon as he leaves, he goes to the Super Bowl, right? And and, and they just automatically associate those 13 years of winning nothing only on the Lions organization, only on the ownership. They see that, and it's only on the ownership. It's only on the coaching. It's only on the general manager. None of that falls on Stafford, the captain, leader, and quarterback of the team on the field. They don't see any of that. They see Stafford was here for 13 years on the Lions. He won nothing. It's because of the Lions. Stafford bears no responsibility because as soon as he leaves, he's in the Super Bowl. Stafford is devoid of any responsibility that he had. He is The responsibility that he had for not winning in Detroit for 13 years has been completely taken away from him because of one year that he spent in L.A. and he's now in a Super Bowl. That's just how it works. And there's nothing that we can do to avoid that in Detroit. We just can't. Because as soon as Stafford left, he went to the Super Bowl. What other evidence does the media need? How much more evidence is there to say that Stafford wasn't the problem in Detroit? And that's my issue. Because was Stafford an issue in Detroit? Yes. Was he the only issue? No, but nobody's going to look at that. Nobody's going to take the time to look at it because Detroit doesn't deserve their time, right? All these all these big shots, Detroit doesn't deserve their time. Detroit knows 
that they don't deserve their time. The Lions know that they don't deserve their time. I'm convinced the owners of the Lions don't even know that they own a franchise. They just wake up and they're like, oh wait, what's Lions? What is this? And then someone, and then Martha calls, uh, <laughs> Sheila calls Chris Spielman's like, what's this Lions thing that I, that I own? Is this like a, is this a food brand? And Chris is like, no, that's a football team. And then, oh, and then Sheila's like, oh yeah, that's right. Okay. We, okay. We're good. And <laughs> it's just, it's just tough for me because I feel like, and I know, I don't feel like I know that my city's already lost. I know that it's coming. I know that the, that the harassment and the slander is on its way. I, I, I just, it's here. It's going to be worse. It's going to get worse and worse, but I just, don't know if it's worth it to keep rooting against this guy or if I give in and I just start rooting for him because how can it get any worse? Like if, if he wins, obviously it'll be, it'll be detrimental, right? It'll just be instead of the entire, instead of the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl and a few days after a week or so after, it'll be the entire off season that Lion fans will hear about it. So that, that's what keeps me like, look, it's already bad, but we can take this. We can, we can leave it at bad and prevent this from going nuclear if he loses the Super Bowl. If Burrow, it's all in the hands of Burrow now. Isn't that crazy? The entire hope for my city, the only hope that some of it can survive, the only hope that my city won't be slandered for an entire offseason lies in the, in the arms of a guy from Ohio. It's like, Oh man, irony kills, doesn't it? Like, oh my goodness, like, how do I even, how do I even process this? So that, so when I think about, when I think about what happens, I have to think about what happens when, if Stafford wins the Super Bowl. I have to think what happens if Stafford loses the Super Bowl. And obviously, you know, this whole thing, this whole thing goes nuclear if Stafford wins the Super Bowl, right? This is just not gonna, it won't work, right? There will be zero chance that Detroit survives the offseason. If Stafford wins the Super Bowl and half of Detroit will celebrate and the other half will just, they'll just be in complete shock and agony. And I'll be that group of people that's in complete shock and agony because I cared about the draft pick because, because I just look at it as business, right? Stafford wanted out. The Lions didn't screw it up like they did in previous years. They said, okay, we're going to trade you. I thought they got a decent value for the trade and it's just business. I'm not going to root for this guy. It's not like good riddance, like, oh, I hate you, I want you gone. It was just like, it was time for them to part ways. It was time for Stafford to go. And he went, and the Lions didn't mess it up, and now he's in L.A., and now we have Goff and draft picks. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to actively, like, when when it started, I wasn't like, I was realistic about it. I was like, look, Rams will probably win 11, 12 games, and then, you know, hopefully we get a, a, a draft pick in maybe the late teens at, at the at the absolute highest. And then at the absolute lowest I'm thinking, hey, maybe he goes, probably win a division, hopefully, win a you know, win a playoff game and then, you know, we'll end up at the mid mid twenties. I was thinking like nineteen to twenty five was where I was thinking that draft pick was gonna end up. And 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 I knew that if he won the division, if he won a playoff game, it would it would be bad for my team. But I was like I wasn't gonna sit here and act like the Rams were just this garbage team. That wasn't, that wasn't going to do anything. Ideally, that would have been what I would have wanted to happen. But when he was there and he was winning, I was like, look, this makes sense. He's a good quarterback. It's a good team. I'm, I'm just kind of waiting for him to screw up and just have that, uh oh, Stafford moment. But the problem is, is when Stafford does have his, uh oh, Stafford moments, 
the team still ends up winning. And that's what hurts. When Stafford throws that ball to Jaquiski Tart and they still win the game, it's like, oh, man. And then I look at the teams that Stafford had to beat to get to where he is. It's like the Cardinals, terrible. 44-year-old quarter. That Brady win, that was the best one. That was That was a really good game by Stafford and by Brady. That was a great game. And you know what? Hats off to Stafford for beating beating Brady twice in the same season. And then he, then he goes to play Jimmy Garoppolo in the Niners for, for to go to the Super Bowl. It's like it's it's, it's just the narrative. It's just written so perfectly for Detroit to fail. So so when he first got to L.A., like I said, it was just like okay, win twelve games, probably win the division. You know, I, I'm I'm ready for Detroit to get their fair share because they deserve it because they've been terrible. But but. Having him go to the Super Bowl, that was like, that was like last resort option for me. That was like the worst possible thing that could happen. That was me in the back of my head. I'm like, there's no way he wins three playoff games. There's no way he does this. I mean, I'm like, how, how does, how is it even possible for him to be here for 13 years, do nothing, and then go to the Super Bowl the immediate year that he leaves? I was like, there's no chance that that happens. And then it got closer, and it got closer, and it got closer. And I got more and more desperate, and I got more and more angry. I got more and more needy for him to lose. I'm just like, at any cost, let this guy lose. And he just hasn't lost. And it's beginning to affect how I watch football. It's beginning to just actively root for Matthew Stafford to just have an awful game. Like, I, I, I never wanted Stafford like every week when he popped on the field at LA yes I wanted the traffic I wanted LA to lose but I wasn't hoping Stafford would go six for 30 for 80 yards and five interceptions right I was like whatever Stafford have a good game have a day Cooper Cup's a great receiver whatever have your fun I just hope that the Rams lose like my ideal situation would have been Stafford has a good year the Rams go 10 and 6 they lose in the wild card and the Lions get the 20th overall pick that would have been like ideal scenario for me, right? It would have been, even even if like the Rams didn't, the ideal scenario for me would have been Rams don't win the division, they get a wild card, and then they lose. That's what I was saying, because that's, really, that's what he did in Detroit like four times, right? That would have been, that was my ideal thing, but then he kept winning, and he won the division, and then he kept winning in the playoffs, and it just got, it just got more and more, not even caring about the draft pick anymore, because the draft pick was shot by the time he got to the NFC Championship anyways. So it was like, I just need this guy to lose. Just lose. Play terrible. Throw the game away. And literally, as I'm watching the ball in the air, and I'm looking at Jaquiski Hart st- sitting back there like it's a punt, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. It's going to happen. They're going to talk about this. Stafford throws game away. Loses to Jimmy Garoppolo. Whatever. 20-17. to 17. Whatever. Loses to Jimmy Garoppolo. Niners coming as a wild card after being three and five or whatever they were. Go to Super Bowl. Stafford dethroned out of the playoffs. Stafford throws game away against the Rams. I'm waiting. I see, I see it in print. I, I see the papers in the future. I see it in my mind. I see the articles on ESPN. Stafford throws game away against, against Niners. Niners in Super Bowl. Rams go home. I see all of it. I'm waiting for it. And then all of a sudden, boom, the ball just hits the ground. And I'm like, oh, no, you have got to be kidding me. I I rooted for the Cardinals. I rooted for the Buccaneers. I rooted for the Niners. They all fell. 
It all fell. And Stafford, of course Stafford would get to play two teams from his division in the playoffs. Of course he'd get to play two teams from his division in the playoffs get to the Super Bowl. And then a 44-year-old quarterback with none of his, with the only existing part of his wide receiver core intact being Mike Evans. Like, man, of course. Of course that's the that's the deal that Stafford draws. It's like, oh, man, what a tough guy. And, it, and I just thought never, I, I never forget that feeling when I saw him in Tampa Bay and he completed that ball to cup and he's sprinting up to the line going clock it, clock it, clock it. I was like, oh, no, I've seen this before. And I talked about it last week. I was like, I know exactly what's happened here. I know exactly what's happened here. I know exactly what's about to happen. So now, now it's all on, it's all on Joey Schmoney. It's all on Joey Schmoney and his real diamonds because he makes too much money for them to be fake. And, and I love Schmoney. There's nothing wrong with Schmoney. There, I, anyone that hates Schmoney should just be kind of exiled. Like, get, get sent to North Sentinel Island. You don't like Joe Schmoney. Like, I, 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 how could you not like this guy? Seriously. How can you hate or dislike, or not just be completely head over heels in love with Joe Schmoney. Like the haircut, the glasses, the diamonds, the fact that he outdueled Patrick Mahomes, the fact that he is literally an amazing quarterback in his second year with the Bengals. Bengals go from, you know, first overall pick to now Super Bowl in two years. And it's hard for me as a Lions fan to be like, oh, hey, we could be the Bengals, but then I remember who our quarterback is. It's like, oh, man, then I remember we don't have Jamar Chase. Like, oh man, we're probably a little bit farther away than we think from being the Bengals. So, you know, like I, I kind of said it last week a little bit. I was like, you know, when I see the Bengals, it part of me, part of me sees the Bengals and roots for the Bengals and feels like I'm rooting for the Lions because the Bengals two years ago is where the Lions are now. All right. And so now obviously the Lions can't exactly pull Burrow out of the draft this year. Right. Matt Corral isn't exactly Joe Burrow, 2019 national champion at LSU. Right, so it's like what you, what Lion fans feel when they root for Stafford in L.A. is like what I feel when I root for Cincinnati. It's like, oh man, these guys were terrible and irrelevant, and hadn't done anything for anything meaningful for thirty years. It's like, hey, I kind of resonate with that. I kind of understand how that feels. And then, oh look, they're in the Super Bowl. Yay, that feels great. That's my team in the Super Bowl. And then you remember, up oh, there wearing orange, we wear blue. But it's like, nah, it's okay because I resonate with Cincinnati fans, and and man, you just you just gotta love Joe Schmoney. It's always great to see a local kid work out, right? It's always, oh, grew up in Ohio, and now he now he's playing in Ohio as a professional. He went to college in Ohio and then left because Ohio did typical Ohio things and just didn't utilize him to their max potential. And then, oops, you got rid of him. You sent him to L. He's like, goodbye, I'm going to LSU, and now he wins the national championship. He smokes cigars with Jamar Chase, and he comes back. And he goes to Cincinnati. And now he's in the Super Bowl since then. It's just like, this guy's a winner. How can you not appreciate everything that Joe Schmoney does on and off the field, right? Everyone, you know, Joe Shiesty and Joe Burrow and all this, you know, B-U-R-R-E-A-U-X Burrow. All these different things, man. Joe Schmoney is right now, in my opinion, the face of young quarterbacks in the NFL. It's not Lamar. It's not Allen. It's not Mahomes. Mahomes bent. He's still a young quarterback, but he's been around a minute. And his girlfriend and brother are an idiot. And and, and it's Joe Schmoney. It's Joe Schmoney. Joey Schmoney is the face for young quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And he's in the Super Bowl. And you know what? If if an Ohio kid in an Ohio team winning the Super Bowl is the price that I have to pay for Stafford to just lose again, 
I am willing to pay it. I was willing to watch Kyler Murray and Arizona win. That was the least of the price that I had to pay. If Arizona can win, great. Even though Stafford won the division the first year leaving. I, I was dealing with it in the wild card round. I was like, oh man, this guy left town. He won the division for the first time ever. As soon as he leaves town, it's like, uh-oh, that's not good. I don't like to have to deal with this. Then he wins a playoff game. It's like, crap. Then he wins the division round. It's like, oh, no, this is bad. And then he wins the NFC Championship, and it's just, it's just, it's all burning down. It's all burning down, and there's gasoline just going on the fire right now. And it, it'll all, it's all going to blow up if he wins the Super Bowl. I was willing to pay the price of Tom Brady winning again and Tom Brady going to another NFC Championship. I was, and now I'm willing to have just let Burrow win. I'm willing to pay the price of Ohio getting the just a massive victory for the entire state of Ohio. I am willing to pay that price if if it means Stafford loses. Even if Stafford, I'm at the point now where even if Stafford plays a fantastic game, even if it's another legendary quarterback duel, even if it plays out like that, as long as Stafford loses, because I don't care. Because they, they'll talk about Stafford being good. They'll talk about Stafford having a great game and one of the best quarterback duels of all time. Whatever. As long as he loses... I win. I I don't care if you win. I just need Kylo Ren to lose. That's me right now. That is my thought process. That is my brain. That is how it's operating. I don't care if Cincinnati wins. I just need Matthew Stafford to lose. And that's it. Because even if he even if he plays great, like I said, they'll talk about the game. They'll say, oh, Stafford had a great game. But as long as as the as long as I don't see in on ESPN, CBS Sports, the Detroit Free Press, the Grand Forks Herald, as long as I don't see Stafford leaves Detroit, wins Super Bowl immediately as soon as he leaves, as long as that isn't the headline, I'm good. I win. Even if he's in the Super Bowl, Stafford leaves Detroit, he's in the Super Bowl now. Okay, it happened. I can't do anything about it. It's putting me in shambles and in misery, but I can't change it. I can't do anything about it. I need to move on from here and see what can I do to prevent this from getting worse. And the only thing that can prevent this from getting worse is the Bengals winning the Super Bowl, which is unbelievable. And that's the greatness of sports. You never know what you're going to get. and You just have to take what you get sometimes and you have to just do what you can. You root for you. You root for who you can root for. And right now, uh, it's terrifying. My hope lies in the Cincinnati Bengals. That's that's honestly horrifying. My only hope right now is the Cincinnati Bengals. That's I mean, what a dark world. Seriously, what a dark world that is. But that I, what what do you do? What do you do about it? What do you do when your entire hope lies on a team that hasn't done anything the postseason for thirty years? Like that's crazy. And it's all it, it's it's Sean McVay, established head coach, Matt Stafford. 14-year NFL veteran, Cooper Cup, all the all this against Zach Taylor, third, third, second or third year head coach. I think second year. He probably he probably popped up the same year Burrow did, right? I'm sorry, I I don't exactly have the exact date time that he was hired, but Zach Taylor hasn't been in the league more than three years. Joe Burrow, second year quarterback. Jamar Chase, rookie star receiver. Young defense. Eli Apple being tough guy on social media. All this is my hope. This is my last hope to prevent Matthew Stafford from being crowned the ultimate survivor.
right? It's just, it's tough. It's difficult for me right now. These are very difficult times, but it's great sports. It's great. It's great fun. It's great storytelling. It's great narratives and it's, it's great theater. And once all of this is over, I can just, I can go have fun with college basketball. But, but for now, we still, we still have work to do with football. There's still work to be done. There's still more football to be played. So there's means there's still more football to be talked about, which is going to be next week. Unless Michigan State does something crazy in basketball. But even if they do, I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk football because that's what this is because it's still football season and there are still stories that can play out. But until the Super Bowl is over, like I said earlier in, this, in the show, this is going to be football center. It's going to be football based. So until the Super Bowl is done and until Matthew Stafford is the king of the, until Stafford is basically elected president of the United States after winning the Super Bowl, there's still going to be there's still going to be a lot to talk about. So, you know, I'll be I'll be back next week with my uh, in-depth breakdown of the Pro Bowl. So so definitely be looking forward to that. I'm not going to break down the Pro Bowl. That's actually not happening. So we're going to see what I'm going to do next week. Super Bowl preview, coaching carousel, who knows. But yeah, Stafford. Stafford's in the Super Bowl. Brady's retired. Michigan State's basketball is good. Michigan basketball is not. North Dakota swept St. Cloud. That was my weekend. That's this week. That's the show. I'm hungry. I need food. I'm going to go eat. And Stafford's in the Super Bowl. And my only hope is the Bengals. The Bengals. Are you kidding me? What do I even What do I even do about that? I don't know. I'm going to contemplate that later. But yeah, we'll be back next week. We'll see what happens. See what happens with the Pro Bowl. I'm kind of curious about the Pro Bowl. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do this big in-depth thing with the Pro Bowl, but, you know, we'll see. Have a little fun watching it. But hopefully we get some more coaching news. Hopefully some of the dust settles down. I'm looking forward to doing some coaching stuff, talk about it. But, you know, until really the Super Bowl ends, there probably won't be a ton of coaching stuff. We'll see because there, there are still different interviews being conducted. But I, that's 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 it. I'm not going to ramble on about coaching for that long. But, yeah, as long as, as, long as you know, we kind of have a feel for what we want to do over the next, over next week or two of the – of this wonderful audio creation that I have, we'll uh, you know we'll figure it out. We'll keep going, and there's obviously gonna be stuff to talk about. And we'll be, I'll be back. I'll be back at you next week. So thank you again for being incredibly loyal people. You all mean very much to me. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week, and we'll see. We'll see what no more stuff there is to cover. Go green, guys and girls. Personality. They're definitely real. I think I make too much money to have fake ones, so these are real. <laughs>